Hello and welcome to The Littlest Podcast, the only podcast actively campaigning for a prequel movie that stars a German Shepherd. I'm your host, Stefan, and I'm joined today by your co-host, Katie. Hello. How you doing, Katie? <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah? No complaints. Are you ready to talk about today's episode, Target for Terror? I uh, sure am. Uh, yep. Let's talk about it. <laughs> if you've never listened to the show before, um, what we do is we watch every episode of The Littlest Hobo, which is a Canadian TV series from the 1970s and 80s, and we talk about them one by one. And today's episode is Target for Terror, which first aired on November 29th, 1979. We, for a, like an episode titled Target for Terror, I was expecting a lot more like energy and excitement it sounds like like a Jeffrey Archer book or like right. a Raymond Chandler, like yeah. like a, a pulpy. Right? Like there's going to be something really interesting in it. But th- there are some interesting there's things going on, but they're probably not what the producers of the episode <laughs> wanted us to find interesting. I'm going to go with no. <laughs> probably not. All right. So the episode starts right off the bat with this um, close-up of a newspaper and the headline for the newspaper is Terrorists Make More Demands. I was more concerned with like looking at where this takes place. Yes. I was like, are we finally in Canada? Yes. And we are. Yeah. <laughs> That's because the newspaper is the Toronto Sun. <laughs> for Toronto's worst newspaper. I was going to say the worst. Um, uh, if you're not a Canadian or if you're not living in Toronto, <laughs> um, you probably don't know what the Toronto Sun is, but it's a... Uh, it's a highly political, I'm going to say far-leaning right-wing newspaper yes. that features the Sunshine Girl, which is a girl, every newspaper, uh, just a girl in a bikini. Uh, they have a couple of shots of her in the newspaper. It's really uh, very high class. And let's, that's in 2018 that it features this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, actually, I think in even in the 70s, there was still... Oh, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. But we're, it's still a thing. Oh, oh, definitely. How is it still a yes, thing? Yes, we still have the sunshine girl. Uh. <laughs> um, the date on the newspaper, I looked really hard, and I believe it's Monday, October 1st, 1979. Oh, okay. You looked harder than I did. Get out my magnifying glass. <laughs> well, the newspaper puzzled me because when I watched the episode the first time, I thought maybe the terrorists were holding it. But they're not. It's the cameraman that's actually <laughs> holding the newspaper. I was going to say, it's just supposed to be like a dude, right? Like just some yeah. guy in the train station. Who's not related to anything that's happening. <laughs> no. But you can also tell it's a fake newspaper because the day is, like I said, Monday, October 1st. Um, but the high is 22. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yes. I'm just I, saying, if you live in Toronto or around Toronto, October 1st, a high of 22, that's... That's unheard of. I was going to say that. I wonder what. <laughs> what's the highest it's ever been in Toronto in October? I feel like I spent too much time on this newspaper, but I'm kind of wishing now I had looked up the weather in Toronto on October <laughs> right. 1st, 1979. Let's Maybe just, it was 22 degrees. This whole episode is just going to be a deep dive into this newspaper because <laughs> there were a few other headlines on there so we can like branch <laughs> off. Talk about those. <laughs> might be more interesting. <laughs> yeah, maybe more interesting than the episode. <laughs> right. And then we don't have to talk about the thing we're going to have to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we have so many things to talk about. Um, so the newspaper goes down and a man walks by with a gym bag. Yep. Um, the biggest gym bag I've ever seen in It's huge, yeah. It's so big. <laughs> he's got a lot of working out to do. I guess so. He's got three outfit changes <laughs> depending on what he's doing. He's got his deadlift shorts, yep. you know, his squat shoes. You know, he's got the, just the right shirt, so when he does rows, his back is real muscly. Right, you get to see all the, the rippedness. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah. they're probably like very neatly arranged in the bag by color and size. <laughs> Probably. This might be skipping ahead to spoilers a little bit, but he did give me very much of like a Patrick Bateman, American Psycho vibe. Oh, he's a total weirdo. So <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Their early work was a little too new wave for my taste. But when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. <laughs> this is our hero. Yes. This is the man who's supposed to be, you know, the good guy. His name is Paul. Oh, so yes, it is Paul. It is Paul. Mm-hmm. So Paul walks into, I think this is Union Station. It's definitely Union Station. Okay. Yeah. So he walks into Union Station, and following him are, are two terrorists. Um, whose we don't names... know they're terrorists at the time. <laughs> yes. But there's, okay, so there's two men following him. Yes. And uh, Paul walks into Union Station. He throws his gym bag into a locker, one of those timed lockers where you can throw a couple quarters in. It'll lock it for yeah. you know 15 minutes or 20 minutes while you grab a sandwich. And uh, as he walks away from the uh, from the locker, the two men who may or may not be terrorists who are rocking some serious bell bottoms. Oh yeah, <laughs> they uh, they're in kind of conspicuously standing there. I think one of them is playing with a water fountain. I think so. Yeah, I didn't quite know what they were doing. Um, now these terrorists, I. I don't know if they have names. Did you catch names for them? I feel at some point they named, they said their names, and I could not for the life of me figure out what it was. One point I thought they said Akiva, and I was like, that's not right. <laughs> and then I went to IMDb, and like, no. there's just generic names, like okay. Max, and I was like, they definitely never it's called not them a, Max. Not a Max. So yeah. I have no idea what their names are. <laughs> okay, well, I, I have names for them. Okay. Because they both look like other people. They do. So the one with the newsboy cap, yep, uh, he looks like Alex Ovechkin. I don't he know if you who know who Alex Ovechkin is. <laughs> another hockey yep. reference. Gosh. This is a prototypical Canadian show. I was gonna say we got to get one in every episode. Yeah. So we have a young Alex Ovechkin. <laughs> okay. Yep. And then the other guy. Okay. Do you know? I'm gonna I'm gonna seem like a total nerd or total <laughs> dweeb. A total dweeb here. Um, Katie, do you know do you know what the Bee Gees look like? I do know what the Bee Gees okay, look do, like. Do you know the names of the Bee Gees? I don't know the names of the Bee Gees. Do you know the names? I know of the names of the Bee Gees, Why? but it's okay. Why? It, I don't want to go into it. Okay. There's three Bee Gees. One of them has very long, flowing locks. One of them has sort of like a tighter cut, and then one of them has like balding. <laughs> and he started balding when he was like in his twenties. That's what this guy looks like. He looks like Maurice Gibb from the Bee Gees. <laughs> what a name. All right. Maurice Gibb. So we got Maurice and Alex. Maurice and Alex. I like it. <laughs> um, there are two terrorists. Mm-hmm. We know they're terrorists now because they walk over, <laughs> pick the lock, mm-hmm. and they open a briefcase yeah. full of bombs. <laughs> yeah. Just, you didn't know they were bad. Now they have bombs. It's- there's like several in there. They're, I know. They're prepared. A bomb for every occasion. I, I feel like Paul is not their only target that day. They've got a list. They're busy guys. <laughs> They've got things to do. <laughs> By the way, the littlest hobo has shown up. Oh, yeah. He's creeping around a corner he, watching them. He is not two feet away from them. No, he's very close. And they're not put off at all. No, they kind of notice him, but then they're like, yeah, whatever, a dog. He's gonna, what is he going to do? Yeah. Also, this is the emptiest I've ever seen Union Station. <laughs> what time of day is this? <laughs> like, I know it's the 70s, but I feel like more people took the train in the 70s. Yeah. So empty. I didn't even think of that. It's it is. so empty. Just an empty little corner. <laughs> yeah. Union Station. Yep. So Little Soba watches them put a bomb into the, the locker. They wire it up to the handle so 
presumably it'll explode when Paul opens it again. I think that's the plan. Yeah. Um, boarding call comes for the town where Paul's going. Carietta Springs. Carietta Springs. Never heard of it. Meant to look it up. Didn't. Yeah, me either. <laughs> I spent all my time on the newspaper. <laughs> so Paul comes running out and the hobo's waiting for him there and he's got a little bit of wire in his mouth. Yeah. And that tips off Paul that something is wrong. Yes, he immediately knows. Yeah. Like, Hobo kind of pause, like, pause at the wire and pause at the locker. And Paul is like, there's a bomb. There's a bomb. <laughs> I know there's a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> Figured it out. So Paul goes over to the police officer who's drinking from the water fountain that the terrorists were just playing with. <laughs> yeah. And he says to the officer, hey, I think there's a bomb in my locker. And the officer has probably the best line. It's <laughs> the best exchange. Yeah. The officer says... Are you drunk or something? And Paul goes, no, I'm Paul Hamilton. And then he pauses as if the <laughs> cop should know what that means. <laughs> all, this cop only knows ballet. Right. Him and Charlie. Him and Charlie. They go way back. <laughs> right. Canadian ballet school. Best buds. <laughs> yeah. Are you drunk or something? No, I'm Paul Hamilton. Hamilton. It is. Good but dad also, joke. Like. <laughs> um. Paul explains that he is the son of... Chief Justice Hamilton. Right. So he's <laughs> think he's a t- target. And then we cut. We're done. That scene is done. Yep. Um, I'm assuming they disarmed the bomb. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> oh, right. Union Station's got a hole in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> Um, so we meet Grandpa in the library. Yes. That's, that's what I'm calling it. Grandpa in the library. And this is the Chief Justice. This is Chief Justice Hamilton, Hamilton. dressing down his grandson. Yes. Um, <laughs> do you know who this guy is, the uh, Grandpa? I looked it up. Did you? Me too. I did. You go ahead. So this grandfather is played by John Carradine. Mm-hmm. That's his name, right? The father of like every Carradine ever, including the one who plays Kill Bill. Yes. In Kill Bill. Yep. Uh, who's been in like eight Oscar-nominated Best Picture movies, best friends with like John Barrymore, like a legitimate <laughs> like old school actor. He's been in all those monster movies. He's so I have a brief okay. summary of his top work. All right. So he was the owl in The Secret of Nim. Amazing. Uh, he was in Wonder Woman, the TV series. Okay. He was in an episode of The Twilight Zone. Yep. So good pedigree. But he was also in Satan's Cheerleaders, oh, Far Out Space Nuts, and Vampire Hookers. <laughs> so clearly he just likes a paycheck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that explains so much about why he's in this episode. If Vincent Price wasn't the Vincent Price of his generation... <laughs> John Carradine would be the Vincent Price of his generation. Oh, I just thought of a good hobo fight. <laughs> John Carradine versus Vincent Price. I'm going to take Price on that one. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. So John Carradine uh, says, basically, like, you're too careless. You're reckless. Why is there a dog in my office? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Paul explains that the dog's name is Nick. Oh, I groaned so hard at this. Dad joke number two. <laughs> Just in the nick of time. Because he arrived just in the nick of time. <sighs> Come I mean, on, Paul, really? Probably better than sport. Sport! Sport! That's true. Uh, so what this whole meeting comes to is Grandpa says, I understand you're going to see your girlfriend out in the boonies. Mm. I want you to take a bulletproof car, <laughs> which is a real weird thing. Like it's so weird. But... It, Bulletproof car pays off like, <laughs> <does>. instantaneously. <laughs> like, there's no waiting to the third act. It is. No. <laughs> no. Paul's in the in, in car with the hobo, 
and another car. These are all like LeBarons. They're oh, yeah. all like <laughs> 1970s. Boats. Yeah. <laughs> cuts, cuts off Paul's car and two men, the two terrorists, uh, Alex and, and Maurice, Maurice yep. get out with a high-powered rifle and a Luger. Yes. And they start just laying into this car. And do you notice that Paul flinches, but the hobo is like cool as ice. He <laughs> knows like, this is a bulletproof car. Bulletproof car, car bitch. <laughs> He's like, I'm not moving. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Stares him down. I'm nice and comfy right here. <laughs> The two terrorists, they try and shoot the car. Uh, Paul makes a getaway. And then, <laughs> for I don't know why this is in here. I, t- I think they needed a reason for them not to be, like, right on his tail. Uh, I guess so, but Alex and Maurice get their car stuck. <laughs> and I like to think there's a scene of them, like, pushing it out of the mud, like, yelling like, at each other. This guy drives by and stops, yeah. gives him a hand, like, Gives hey. him a little toe. Yep. <laughs> Pulls Thanks. him out. See you later. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> um... Yeah, so they're stuck in the mud. <laughs> yes, but Paul Paul makes a getaway. He meets up with his girlfriend, Pam. Yes, he didn't call the cops, but no. he called Pam because she knew what was going on. Well, she didn't know about the guns. That's true, she, she didn't. She only knew about the bomb. Oh, that is true, yes. She so didn't tell anyone and the two men tried to gun him down. This is what I mean about him being slightly sociopathic, but <laughs> yeah, he has he, no emotion. <laughs> no, he's just taking it as it comes. He, I think uh, you might even talk about his line about, besides, it was only a bomb. Yes. <laughs> like, man, if someone tried to blow me up, I'd be in my house for weeks. Besides, it was only a bomb. So he says to Pam, we're going to hide out here and have a wonderful time together. And the littlest hobo lets out the biggest yawn. <laughs> no, he's so sassy in this episode. We are going to hide out here and have a beautiful time together. <laughs> I think he's already fed up with I, Paul. I think he's like, why did I choose this guy? It's like, I'm doing my duty, but I, you know. Yeah. Maybe the, this might tie into the next episode, but maybe the hobo doesn't choose. He gets told. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, really? This guy? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> like, you want me to help this guy? <laughs> I'm going to go with that theory. Okay, that's a good one. I <laughs> like right. it. Yep. Um, so we cut to what I call the world's highest squatting shack. <laughs> Why did they choose this? So it's, it's this so dumb. It's like a two-room shack that's like six feet off the ground. Yeah, it's on like some cinder blocks, and there's the door is so high. Yeah, because <laughs> the um, Alex knocks on the door, and Maurice goes to open it, and Alex is like, it's just his head bobbling there, looking at him. <laughs> he has to pull himself up and in. Yeah. Also, did you notice there's a theme in this episode and in other episodes that anytime a door gets knocked on, the immediate response is gun? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's like knock, knock, gun. Gun. As soon as somebody knocks on a door, you got to pull a Luger. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yes, back to Alex having to hoist himself into yes. this cabin. And the terrorists, they, they do some talking and they make a pretty good jump in logic here where um, they remember that the boarding call was for... Oh, yes, Carietta Springs. Carietta Springs. And that they think Paul's going to go there. So um, they decide they're going to follow him there and kidnap Pam because yes. they've heard that Paul has a girlfriend in that place. Yes, and that she works at a nursery school. Yes, and the line, the last line we get before the cut is, I've got a better idea than throwing around these homemade bombs. A much better idea. And we get a hard cut to a playground <laughs> full of kids. And I'm like, oh, boy. No, I was like, oh, my God. I I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but is he going to blow up the school? Get, get off the chocolate gym! <laughs> run, <laughs> run for your lives. But then we get this beautiful exchange for Pam and some other teacher. 
Yeah, <laughs> this is real weird because Pam is, I guess, a teacher there. I guess. And she's, okay, there's two things happening here. <laughs> One, she's saying goodbye. Like, yep. I'll see you in a couple weeks, maybe. And none of the kids care because I think the scene was just shot. Like, I think they rolled up to right. the school and they were like, can we shoot here for a minute or two during recess? Because none of the kids are looking at her. Nope. They're not responding. Don't care. They don't care she's leaving. Um, but she does have a great line when she's like, they shouldn't be any trouble at all. Set little Jackie. <laughs> right. Like, wh- who is this Jackie? Jackie's sitting in the corner with a switchblade. <laughs> yeah. Got the greaser hair. That's right. Just... <laughs> when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. She's got a little cigarette. <laughs> Keep walking, Pam. Yeah. She's the informant for Maurice and Alex. I was going to say, that's how they knew. They've got eyes everywhere. That's right. You recruit them young. So Pam, Pam leaves the playground. She does. She, she walks a foot around a corner. Yeah, she she's very close to that Six playground. feet from the, like, the fence. So the kids should be able to see her. She sees Alex. He gives her the creepiest nod. Yeah. Ugh, and so gross. she freaks out. Number one rule of getting into a vehicle is look into your vehicle. I was going to say, check that back seat. She's a woman. She should know this. Yep. I still do this in 2018. Oh, yeah. So Pam gets in, and um, Maurice jumps up from behind, and Mm -hmm. chloroforms her. Alex drives up. Alex drives up. They throw her in the trunk. No one sees anything. No one sees this. You can hear the kids. It's like 10 in the morning. You can hear the kids through this whole scene. There's got to be 60 sets of eyes. Absolutely. And nobody said anything. These kids really hate her. (laughs) They really did. Jackie's got a stranglehold. If any of you say anything. That's right. I know where you sleep at nap time. (laughs) I'll see you at nap time. I got a big heavy pillow. Good for smishing. I love it. Yep. It's definitely Um, the reason. Nobody sees anything. Nope. So we cut to what is perhaps the dirtiest motel in Canada. Oh, it's so scuzzy. And the sad thing is I'm pretty sure I like have driven past many hotels like this. Yes. <laughs> this is actually a real hotel. It looked I was definitely like, have I driven past this particular it's in, one? It's in BC. Okay, apparently. then I'm not, but I don't know. I can't say whether it's the same one, but it has the same name. <laughs> okay. But all motels kind of look the, uh, they have that L shape. Yeah, right off the side the kind of the of road. brightly colored roofs and like yeah, you drive right up to the windows. door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we cut to yeah, the dirtiest motel in Canada, um, where the the terrorists get Pam to call Paul. They take over the phone, and uh, they basically tell him, "We'll release Pam if you exchange yourself." And Paul agrees immediately. Yeah, he's down. He's like, yeah. "All right." And they're like, "Don't call the cops." <laughs> and he's like, "Okay." So at this point, I was wondering if Paul was in on this. I was like, oh, is Paul like part of it? And this is like some ploy to get his grandfather's money or like I, he's just is a sociopath and this is the only way he can feel anything. <laughs> it would have to be the second one. Because <laughs> like, the, the terrorists don't want money. That's they, true. We find out they don't. They yes. want the release of one of their brothers or Maurice's brother Maurice's brother who I believe was the person who bombed the airport and killed 13 people so they want his release um so Paul's just like okay I'll uh I'll come do that (laughs) so he drives right out to the hotel yeah uh, which is real weird because the terrorists, like, they don't even use a go-between. Nope. Where they're like, meet us at, you know, the underpass by wherever. Like, they, they invite him right to <laughs> Their the <door>. hotel. Like, <laughs> yeah, where they have Pam. <laughs> yes. I'm pretty sure a SWAT team 
yep. could take them out. There's two entrances to that that building. Yep. As we learn later. <laughs> yes, convenient. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go on a limb here and say that like six highly trained SWAT officers will probably be able to take both those men out yes. very quickly. So yes, I think Paul just needs to feel something. Just needs a thrill. <laughs> yeah. So he he drives on out, and this is actually just a weird little thing I noticed. He's driving to the hotel or the motel, and as he pulls in, there's this dramatic, scary music playing. Yeah. But then for some reason, they piped in the sound of a sparrow. Did oh yeah, I did this? notice that all of a sudden there's like the little tweeting bird. Yeah. <laughs> it's like dun dun dun. Like that's scary. You gotta be around here someplace. Uh-huh, there it is. Yeah, like, I was like, it actually sounds very idyllic and beautiful. Yeah, you got rid of the music. I, <laughs> right. I might actually check in for a bit. <laughs> right. I guess because it's called the Bluebird Motel, you just needed a little... But it's not a bluebird, it's a sparrow. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like the sound guy was like, close enough. Yeah, that's right. Who'd know? How many ornithologists are watching Hobo? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> right? <laughs> and really, there's no Twitter back then. If you really cared, you had to write a letter. That's true. <laughs> right. Did you notice that he asked Hobo, yes. like, what their plan was? <laughs> Pulls into the parking lot. He's like, what do we do now, Nick? Like, right. the dog's going to write it out for you? Right. Like, like your instinct is, this is a smart dog. Yeah. He's going to know. He's, he's going to have a plan. He's going to have a plan. Uh, but Hobo takes off immediately. He abandons yeah. Paul. Which leads me again to that, you know, he doesn't really want to help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he doesn't have to save him. No. Yeah. Nope. Some people are just too dumb to save. It's true. Yeah. I feel it's the hobo's philosophy. So Paul <laughs> knocks on the door. Maurice is instantly there with a Luger. Knock, knock, gun. Knock, knock, gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good hashtag. Right. Knock, knock, gun. <laughs> it's got a real catchy kind of flair. <laughs> yeah. So, so Paul gets captured. The terrorists are not going to release Pam because that would be the dumbest thing in the world to do. Yes. Um. Then they tie up Paul, they tie up Pam, they throw him in a room together. Things are going well. Yeah. You know, for the terrorists. Yeah. Things are going they're well. They're thinking like, check, check, check. Our yep. list is, you know, knocking them off. It's a little too easy, actually, <laughs> yeah. now that we think about it. <laughs> and we cut to the littlest hobo sitting next to a big old I loved, sign. loved this shot so much. It's a close-up on a sign that says, no dogs allowed. And then they zoom out, and there's the hobo. <laughs> Just like, I don't care. <laughs> I was wondering if it was going to be like a sudden civil rights episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> Takes a real turn. Like the other stuff's the B plot, and this yeah. is now the A plot. <laughs> right. He's got his little doggy crew, and they're going to like storm this motel. They're going to petition. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> he believes in nonviolence, but they're going to have a sit-in. That's right. You know. <laughs> 300 dogs can't be yeah. wrong. Uh, meanwhile, the terrorists get Paul to call... His grandfather, Chief Justice. Yep. His grandfather can't help. Nope. They can't trace the call. Nope. So what are you going to do? <laughs> They're stuck. <laughs> They're stuck, except the hobo has this brilliant plan, <laughs> and it involves digging a hole. <laughs> and he goes, he digs quite a hole. That is a beautiful hole. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good for a <laughs> dog. Considering he's probably only been digging for like a minute or two. Yeah. He digs a hole, he starts barking, and we're introduced to Caretaker Osborne. <laughs> oh, is that his name? His name is Osborne. Osborne. Well, he did show up slightly earlier uh, oh, at the yes. terrace door to berate them for 
something. I think he wants money. Right. Yes, that's yeah. right. Uh, so this is the second time we've met him. Right. Uh, he's a tiny little... Tiny little guy with a sweater vest and, and some big old Coke bottle glasses. <laughs> <They're> huge. <laughs> yeah, his, his eyes just kind of swim around in there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Very much like Bubbles from Trailer Park Yeah, that's Boys. exactly what I thought. <laughs> yeah. He's like like Bubbles' uncle. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They're related, for sure. <laughs> so caretaker Osborne comes out. He gets angry with the hobo. The hobo runs over to like the door where the terrorists are staying so that Osborne thinks that the dog belongs to them. Yes. We cut to inside the <sighs> the uh, the room. Yeah. And, Can we uh, just skip this? <laughs> Ovechkin. Oveshkin is reading a book, which he's covering with his hand, so that all that shows of the book is the Nazi swastika. Mm-hmm. So Osborne and, and then the uh, other guy tells him to stop reading that. What's he say? Reading uh, that trash. I yeah, think. stop reading that junk. And that was the only time I was like, I agree with you, sir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Marie seems a little more level. Yeah. Well, because like, I was trying to figure out what terrorist group they were part of or they never explained like who are these people no we have no idea right i'm trying to think this has got to be post flq i was gonna say i meant to look it up the october crisis was in in the 70s yeah but earlier but they don't have like they didn't go all out and give them like accents they don't have french accents like they they're pretty neutral all around like i'm not quite sure yeah they never explain what they really want other than the release of Somebody's you know, brother. Andy Gibb. Like, they <laughs> yeah. don't. Or Barry, I guess. <laughs> yeah. They want Barry Gibb out of prison. You know. <laughs> That's it. That's all. They gotta go back on tour. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 79. Just, the Bee Gees are still going pretty strong. They just need to get the band back together. That's right. And this is the only way. <laughs> so, Maurice Gibb goes up to the door. He has an argument with uh, Osborne. Osborne accuses him of having a dog. He's like, dude, you're gonna have a doggy dish in there. I'm gonna come in and find it. <laughs> And uh, Maurice is like, you're going to be the sorriest man in the world if you even try that. Yep. And Osborne goes, I was only trying to ask nicely. And I'm like, no, you were screaming at him for the last minute. Like, You were very not nice. No. <laughs> so they get rid of Osborne. And then we get the second giant logical jump of this episode. <laughs> I know. They're like, eh, just throw in a line. <laughs> yeah, where they're like, what, he's talking about a dog? That was crazy. And Maurice says something like, well, Paul, he had a dog in the car, and also the dog thwarted us at the Union Station, so it's the same dog. Let's go kill him. And they immediately <laughs> pull guns <laughs> yep. right out of the door with guns drawn Yep, in daylight. And they're very close to a fairly busy highway. And a motel. Right? Like, I'm assuming there's other people. Somewhere. <laughs> and they start firing just at yep. the hobo. And you notice the first shot, the hobo doesn't move. He does not move. <laughs> he is such a stone cold. Like He's pulled his best Batman. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what? And then he runs away. He yeah. does turn and run. Jauntily <laughs> yeah. trots off. He leads them into his, like, Back bat into the forest. <laughs> yeah. Where he feels most comfortable. That's right. Straps <laughs> on a bandana. <laughs> yeah. He's like, ah, yes. <laughs> yeah, he lures them into the forest, and there's yeah. just two men in broad daylight with yeah. these very large guns yep. chasing a dog, yeah. <laughs> shooting at him. Yeah. But no police are on the way. Nope. Definitely. 1979 Canada. It was a different time. This is pretty normal, actually. <laughs> is he shooting at a person or a dog? It's a dog. It's a dog. Uh, all, right. all right. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the shot of the hobo when they were like hobos hiding and they like walk right past him? Yes. <laughs> they do that. It's it's another Rambo shot. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so hobo loses him in the forest. Did you Okay. 
What does he scream? Ben, I think. <laughs> okay. I have it in quite, I know exactly what you're talking about. So Maurice fights with a tree for like a half second. Yes. And he gets, he can't find the hobo. And he goes, I think he says Ben. It, it starts with a B. But it's so unintelligible. It's just a big sound. It's just the weirdest noise coming out of his mouth. We'll put it in here. We should definitely. People need to hear this. What is he saying? And then it cuts. (laughs) So we'll never know. Nope. Meanwhile, Hobo returns to the motel. He tries to get a... Osborne's attention, but Osborne's staring at a wall. I was going to say, he's just, he's blank. <laughs> he's blank. So Hobo, uh, he turns on the jets. He, he turns on the hose. I yeah. was very impressed. Finds a garden hose, <laughs> gets his mouth around it, and he just... turns it on and he sprays the window. Osborne comes out. He sprays Osborne. <laughs> yeah, you know. He's going for broke. <laughs> and uh, he leads Os- Osborne to the- Number 10. Number 10, which yeah. is where the Maurice and uh, Alex are staying. And he knocks on the door. He thinks they're in there. And Paul does the only smart thing <laughs> in the entire episode. It's true. He uh, he breaks a lamp inside. Yep. So Osborne hears the lamp, unlocks the door, goes in and finds Pam and Paul. Yes. He uh, unties them. They decide to sl- they're going to slip out the back. Yes. And then this is where things don't make much sense for a bit. You mean again. when Paul doesn't want to call the cops? Yeah. Again. <laughs> Osborne's like, I'll call the cops. And Paul goes, no time for the cops. Come with us. Honestly, Paul needs to feel something, and the cops will ruin that. (laughs) (sighs) He's a sociopath. (laughs) Alex and Maurice don't know that... No, they're in the woods. They don't know that, A, they're gone, and B, they don't know that... that Osborne has anything to do with this. Osborne could literally return to his office and call (laughs) the cops. Yep. They're not going to suspect him at all. Nope. But there's no time. They gotta go. They gotta go. Gotta run. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Maurice and Alex have shown up, mm-hmm. discovered they're gone, and they trap them. They because for somehow, some way, the architecture of this building. I have no idea what these blueprints would look like. None. It's like impossible corridors, like Inception <laughs> yeah. style, impossible staircases. Like I have a theory that things move in this universe, and this just can like just is another tick on that box. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Nothing makes any sense. No. But the terrorists, they've got Paul and Osborne and Pam trapped by the bulletproof car. Yes. As they're trying to make a getaway. But it gets foiled. Oh, the hobo. By the hobo, (laughs) he jumps off the top of a car. He leaps and tackles the man. He tackles Maurice. His favorite move. (laughs) And yeah, we've seen this before. We have. And he did it beautifully again. (laughs) Um, He tackles Maurice and then... um, Paul and Alex Ovechkin have a bit of a fight there. A tussle. Yeah. Paul gets the gun. Pam gets the other gun. Yeah. Well, Hobo, Hobo gives that's Pam right. the Hobo gun. has the gun temporarily. <laughs> in his mouth. In his mouth. And for a second, I did wonder if he was going to hold him hostage. That's yeah, right. Like, eh? <laughs> it wouldn't be just, that weird. Just nudging him with the, yeah. the tip. Like <laughs> They already think he's an unusually clever dog. That's right. So. But they get to jump on them. Yeah. Just temporarily hobo with a gun, yeah. but they got the bad guys rounded up, and Osborne does nothing. No, but now Paul has some emotion in his voice when he's yes. like, now you can call the police. I think yes. that like little fight really fired him up. You yeah. Know? <laughs> All of a sudden, he has some actual emotion yeah. in his voice. And he says to them, <laughs> I think it's him, he says, now let's see just how willing you are to die for the cause. Yes. And I thought for about a full second, we were going to see, <laughs> see like, 
gang style executions. No, <laughs> in a different movie, maybe because it definitely had that vibe. Yeah, like you don't say that if you don't. If plan you're not going to shoot the man, like, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's kind of a Bonnie and Clyde thing too. They're like they side is. by side, and he's like, "You're right, babe," and she's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Now let's see how willing you are to die for your cause." And I'm like, "Oh boy." Do you think like after this episode, they go on a Bonnie and Clyde kind of like? A rampage? <laughs> yeah. Spree. The Paul and Pam? Yeah. Paul and Pam, oh no. The motel killers. Uh, it's a whole other show. Maybe she really doesn't work at the school. Uh, it's just a cover. It's just a cover. That's why the kids are so... Yeah, they're like, I don't know this woman. Maybe Jackie knows her <laughs> secret. Yes. <laughs> it's all coming together. Right. We're on to you, Paul and Pam. <laughs> we figured this out. <laughs> yeah. It kind of throws me for a loop. I'm, I'm sorry. not going to lie. <laughs> We're going to start writing, like... I know. Got to write these ideas down. <laughs> we'll lose them forever if we record them. Right. Where will they go? How does this work? Definitely not to iTunes <laughs> and Spotify. But the aftermath is, the terrorists get led away. Grandpa has shown up to the motel. Yep. He says to Paul, I bet you're really proud of yourself. And Paul goes, oh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like, I am. I am. I got <laughs> captured, got away. It was just... Uh, just another day. day's work. Mm. Whatever's Gramps. <laughs> what you gonna do? That's right. <laughs> Osborne shows up at the end with a little sign, the no dogs allowed <laughs> sign, and he's yeah. taken two pieces of red <laughs> electrical tape. Yep. Taped over the no. Yep. And he says something along the lines of like, I figured this is the way of showing him he's always welcome here. Because he knows that Hobo can read. Yes, he can. <laughs> um, and so Hobo takes off and... and yes, that's the and, end and of the episode. It. That is... That is target that is, for terror. That is target for terror. <laughs> Katie, how did you feel about this episode? I found it very dull. Uh, hopefully we made it sound exciting. You don't need to watch it. <laughs> no, you don't. It, um, it wasn't worse than The Defector. It was not, no. I think Defector still is still the you know yes. reigning champion for bad episodes. Definitely. But I mean, such a good start, too, because I thought we were right. in for a treat when I saw that briefcase full of bombs. Yeah. So I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> you don't introduce a briefcase full of bombs and then have nothing blow up. Yeah. but nothing... Isn't that Chekhov's thing? Yeah, that's <laughs> like, right. You know? <laughs> uh, no, I can't recommend it. No, not at all. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> also, no train. Yeah, it's still no train. <laughs> Only uh, three more episodes to go. Okay. Before I have to quit my sign-off. <laughs> we need something better then. Um, do you have a Hobo Harm Meter rating? I was going to say, I was thinking about this. I gave it a one for squibs. I was going to say, yeah, maybe a two. Yeah, it's not know. high. It's not, no. He did. He dug a little. He sat in a bulletproof car. Yeah. He tackled a man. But it's all just... yeah. Just everyday stuff for this dog. <laughs> London's probably like, this is an easy day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll so. knock this out and go home. Right. <laughs> I got things to do. All right. So is your hobo fight? I think I, I had something else, but I'm going to go with the grandfather, John Carradine, versus Vincent Price. Okay. That's, That's going to be my, my hobo fight. My hobo fight is the Marie Skib terrorist versus the actual Marie Skib. <laughs> I, okay. So I know very little about the Bee Gees. So who do you think would win? Uh, you know, probably the Maurice Kiv terrorist is going to win this. <laughs> he does seem like he has some actual like experience with fighting. Right. So yeah. I think the BG guy just can walk. Yeah, cool. you can tell by the way he walks, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> uh, I set you right up for that one. <laughs> uh, very nice. It's all good. Okay, yeah. I like it. It's staying alive. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> next episode. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> is uh, season one, episode eight, Heritage. Yep. Would you like to hear what Heritage is about? Please tell me. <laughs> says, the hobo finds an eccentric old gold prospector who's being harassed and intimidated by someone trying to acquire his mine. Do you think it's going to be better than this one? Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> From that description, it sounds like it could be better. Yes. Uh, so you'll just have to listen to next week's episode to see if it actually Find is out. better. Okay. Well, any any last thoughts, Katie, or shall uh, we wrap up and move on? As you say, I'm just going to say, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Littlest Podcast. Love to hear from you. Oh, yeah. And we're on iTunes and Spotify. Yes, yes. So no, you can listen to it on Podbean, but you can also listen to it other places now. Yeah. So spread the word. Great. <laughs> I, you can do your sign-off? Uh, sure, absolutely. All right. <laughs> All right. Until next time, hop on that train, fellow hobos, and we'll see you at the next stop. I've been Stefan. And I've been Katie. Take care. Bye. Bye.